When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Welcome and welcome back to the show that is all about uncovering the awesome in the everyday. Each week, my co-host and I give our favorite tips, share our best stories, and confide our true confessions as we invite you to join us in the pursuit of awesome. So yes, welcome back, everyone. Yay! We are returning from our month-long break with a group show for you this week. So yes, all three of my smart and beautiful and extremely awesome co-hosts are here today. Hi, ladies. Hello. Hello. Everybody's here, and I have twisted their collective arms into talking about music with me this week. So we're going to be talking about the music that shaped our childhood, that shaped our teenage years, music that has marked the milestones of our lives. We're even going to delve into some of our misheard and misunderstood lyrics, which is always amusing for everybody, I think. So we're going to get to all of that in just a minute. Before we start the show, I wanted to remind you as you are maybe doing a little back to school shopping or a little sprucing up around the house, getting ready for fall. If you're shopping Amazon, we sure would love it if you would go over to sortaawesomeshow.com slash Amazon to do your Amazon shopping. That link, you can type it into any browser. It will take you straight to Amazon. Whatever you purchase when you are shopping our link gives us a few pennies from Amazon to support the work on the show. So just a reminder, sortaawesomeshow.com slash Amazon. We so appreciate it. Okay, let's start the show the way we always do, ladies, with Awesome of the Week. Now, Kelly, I think that you have brought a maybe a delicious, tasty Awesome of the Week to get us started. Is that right? It's like you know me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I have. I have brought food. Okay. Because it is summer, and not is not only just summer, but it is, you know, closing down to the end of summer when is everything is in demand. It's in the farmer's markets. So I had to bring you all my very favorite recipe for green beans. Oh, okay. So whether you grow green beans or you're just going to get them at a farmer's market, fresh green beans right now are exploding. They're everywhere. And I know they're just a little bit below zucchini as far as that thing that you're like, oh my gosh, I have so much of this. I don't even know what to do with it all. Yes. So this is a super easy recipe. I call it garlicky green beans. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's a super creative title. <laughs> <laughs> and it's simply fresh green beans that you're going to saute in a little olive oil and butter. Mm-hmm. You're going to kind of do it at a high heat and then you want to throw in some fresh garlic. Okay. So originally I have adapted this recipe from a cookbook called Desperation Dinners. It's a great cookbook, but I have taken it like three iterations away as I've adapted it. They want you to chop up fresh garlic. But what I have found is garlic burns so quickly, especially the smaller it gets. And it's kind of time consuming. Mm -hmm. So jarred garlic, which 
I do use, um, is not good in this recipe, like chopped already, you know, chopped garlic. It's not going to be fresh enough. So what I've taken to doing is just taking a garlic clove and pounding it with the flat side of my chef's knife. Uh-huh, yeah. So it just kind of crushes it. And I just throw that in so that it's going to get the flavor of the green beans. So you're sauteing this kind of a stir fry sort of idea with these green beans. Once they get really bright green, you throw in some white wine. Aha, uh-huh, nice. And that sizzles. And then a yes. little bit of um, chicken bouillon, or you could just do um, even, I have not tried this, but I've had several friends say soy sauce there oh, adds yeah, a little bit of an, so Asian, good. Yes. an Asian kick. But either way, what happens with the white wine is because it hits that high heat, it kind of caramelizes the green beans a little bit. So you end up with some that are, you know, kind of blackened almost. I love it. Kind of chewy. Yes. Those are the ones we keep from our kids. Our kids are like, ooh, we don't want no, the black be- ones. And my husband and I are like, no problem. Right, exactly. We'll take those, those from you. We will suffer. <laughs> we will suffer. So that's all it is. It's a really, really simple recipe. No one can mess this up. They are to die for. My kids will eat these. My kids, when they come upstairs and ask me for the 15,000th time, what are we having for dinner? And I say garlicky green beans. They're like, yes. Like so they're excited. Great. They're not always that excited when I talk about vegetables. Right, so right, right. Got to throw that. that out there for my friends who are also shopping the farmer's market and or growing things in their garden. They're saying, I just don't know what else to do. Super easy recipe, goes with everything. Hopefully, it will make your entire family happy. I love it. And Kelly, I if I remember correctly, I think you have that recipe on your blog. Is that right? I do have it on my blog. And actually, okay. I have it on Pinterest. It's one of the most popular pins I've ever put on Pinterest. Okay. So well, I'm sure... Yeah, we, we can link to it through there. But, you know, I will put this disclaimer on it. The picture is so bad, you guys. <laughs> it was like before Pinterest was a thing, yes. yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. So, like, I took a close-up picture of green beans in a skillet and there's a tong. <laughs> nice. <laughs> very unnatural. So yeah, it's very amateur. But the beans are good. <laughs> so the fact that it's been pinned so many times despite the ugly picture it will tell you that it's actually a really good recipe, you despite know that, the ugly. It's so funny that you said that. I don't know if y'all have found this. I use Pinterest almost exclusively for finding recipes now. And sometimes the uglier or like the more, the less staged the picture, actually the better the recipe is. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we're going to go by that scale, this is an amazing recipe. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Kelly. Okay, Rebecca, what do you have for Awesome of the Week this week? My awesome of the week is my most favorite homemade organic bar soap. And it is from the shop, the Etsy shop, Sweet Sally's Soap. And I love it. I discovered the soap several years ago. I requested some for Mother's Day this Mm. past year. And I have been enjoying my showering experience all (laughs) summer long with this fabulous, fabulous soap. (laughs) <laughs> so the shop owner, it's all handmade by Sarah, okay. not Sally, which is maybe a little confusing. but um, And she developed all these recipes. They're all her own. They're all original. And I love them. So let me tell you what some of my favorite scents are. Please do, yes. Lime and Shea. Okay. Mint Swirl. Pink Grapefruit. Patchouli Vanilla. Blueberry. Lavender Swirl, and she has over 10 more other fabulous scents in her shop. I love it. We're not talking ice cream. No, this is not ice cream. I know. I was going to say, those actually sound really delicious, but they're soap, so okay. I'm a little hungry right now, Rebecca. (laughs) I know. That blueberry one was like to die for. It really, it was a glorious experience in the shower with that, let me tell you. So the thing that I love about 
really good soap in general, and especially about this soap, is that it's it's really fun for like more of a stressful showering experience. I don't know if I'm the only one who has, you know, maybe dreaded like when you're going overseas and you know you're gonna have just a lot of cold showers or maybe not much running water. I always take fun soap with me to just make that experience a little bit more enjoyable and exciting. Okay. The same yeah, I was like, same wait, thing. I was like, I don't understand stressful showers, but okay. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had some stressful showers, let me tell you. Also, I had this soap at the hospital for my first shower after giving birth to Grace and Noah. Oh, that's and, such a good idea. Yeah. When do you need pampering the most in your life? When you push a human out of your body, I think <laughs> right. would qualify, uh-huh. right? Yes. So I love, love, love this soap. I've been using it for years, and especially this summer, I've been using it all summer long. So you're going to want to look it up on Etsy. It's called Sweet Sally's Soap. Sweet Sally's Soap. I appreciate the alliteration and the formation of that shop, too. So, so fun. We will definitely put a link to that in this week's show notes. Laura, Laura at the lake house. How's your summer out there going? My summer is going great. And my awesome of the week is the Amazon Echo speaker. Oh, fun. I have been hearing so much about Amazon Echo. I can't wait to hear more about it from you. So Amazon developed this speaker and I first found it, even though I'm on Amazon all the time, but my husband wanted a Bluetooth speaker for the kitchen for Father's Day. And so he had done a bunch of research of, you know, which ones he liked. And he kind of gave me a few to kind of look up myself. And when I looked up that one, you know, it's a good price point for that that type of speaker. It's under $200. It had amazing reviews. And so, and I love Amazon. I'm just an Amazon fan. So I took a chance on it. And our entire family loves it. Ours sits in the kitchen. It's so much more than just a speaker, although we do use it for that. You can play your Spotify, playlist, Pandora, iHeartRadio, iTunes, whatever. You can play your playlist. You can also play your Amazon Prime music. And there's free Amazon Prime music, so you can just say tell it to, to play its own music. But the thing I love about it more than just the speaker part, which is functional, is that it has this like built-in Siri element. It's like a Siri. It's Her name is Alexa. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you can ask her anything. Like you can ask her the weather. You can ask her to tell you the headlines. You can ask her to set a timer. You can ask her um, to order more toilet paper from your Amazon list. Like That's amazing. I did not know that. No wonder people love it. She's like a robot. She is like a Jetsons robot. Yes, you can literally be like, tell her to order a book with your what? voice. Oh my gosh, and that's so dangerous for me. I would get in so much trouble. <laughs> amazing. The kids love to play with her in the way that kids like Siri. I find her to be a lot better than Siri on your phone. She has a lot better answers. She answers things from Wikipedia. She can give you all manner of headlines. You can tell her to read the headlines from the Washington Post or from NPR or whatever your news source is. She'll read them to you. She's fantastic. I also use her as a timer. I've I've talked a lot on my blog and on this podcast. I'm a timer freak. I time everything. That's how I do stuff. (laughs) Right. So you can just say, Alexa, set a timer for 20 minutes. And then at 20 minutes, she'll go off. So I use it for cooking or whatever I'm doing. 
so besides that, she's she's actually a great speaker. She's really good sound. You can turn her way up. You can listen to podcasts. Right, right. One of the main reasons that I wanted to mention it on the podcast is because I think that she would make a really good gift. So if you're a gift type buyer and, and would fit all kinds of people, like the hard to buy for person, even though it's a higher price point, this would be a great gift. Amazon Echo. I had no idea. You know, it's so funny that you said that about comparing it to Siri. I find Siri's help to be very hit or miss, mostly miss. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I am super intrigued with this Alexa running the Amazon Echo. That's so fun. So much awesome. I love it. Okay. Well, my awesome of the week is one that probably you've been hearing buzz about. It's a Netflix series. Kyle and I binged the whole thing in way less than a week a couple of weeks ago, and that is the series called Stranger Things. Have any of y'all watched this? I haven't watched it, but I've heard about it. It sounds a lot like the Twilight Zone to me. Is that true? It's more intense than Twilight Zone, I will say that, but it it is science fiction. So it's an original series from Netflix. It's science fiction. In... The plot centers around a little boy who disappears under very, I guess you could say, paranormal circumstances. So it takes place in a small town in Indiana in 1983, and it basically just follows through 10 episodes. It follows the effect of this little boy's disappearance with his family, friends, the whole community. I would say, to give you like a correlation, it's sort of like a mashup of like Stephen King which I think Laura would really dig. Goonies, um, X-Files, there's some of that kind of component to it. And there is a ton of just super spot-on 80s nostalgia in it, which I think is why people in our age group are really loving it, because the people who did the costume design, the set design, they nailed the early 80s so perfectly that Kyle and I would we would like pause it while we were watching it to be like my grandmother had that couch and you know just like everything the hairstyles the whole thing is super super 80s so I've seen a lot of discussion people asking questions is this safe for the more sensitive types amongst us well I have to say I am at the top of the highly sensitive person chart and I loved this series but I do think a lot of it depends on what you're sensitive to Like, I cannot watch, and I do not watch, any kind of really gory um, horror-type stuff. I just can't handle it. It's not entertaining to me. It freaks me out. I don't like it. But I do enjoy spooky sci-fi. So, I mean, I not only made it through the series, I really loved it. But I do have to say, I did have a hard time going to sleep the week that we were watching. (laughs) (laughs) So it did affect me, but not so much that we had to stop watching. Now, obviously, like I said, the central part of the plot is a child going missing. And so that might upset some people. So just kind of keep that in mind. But I have to say that the ending of the series, the way the series ends, is very satisfying. And a standout in it, I don't know if y'all have heard this as part of the buzz about Stranger Things, but Winona Ryder plays the missing boy's mother. And y'all, she is phenomenal. Like, I forgot how amazing and how talented Winona Ryder is, but she, in in Stranger Things, she really captures just that sense of like panic and mania that you can just imagine any mother would have if one of her children were to go missing, not to mention the spooky sci-fi elements to it too. So So it concludes, like you have a conclusion at the end or is this an ongoing like Twin Peaks type of thing? Okay, well, there's a conclusion at the end with just enough that if Netflix 
picks up a second season of it, they could continue on. But even if it's just standalone, even if there's not a second season, it does come to a conclusion, if that makes sense. Okay. Yes. Okay. That was so much awesome. We had double the awesome of the week since we're doing a group show this week. I wanted to do a quick summer check-in too, before we get into talking about music. How is everybody's summer going? I feel weird even asking because I know that you guys are like sort of still in the middle of summer break. Ours is ending. My kids go back to school August 1st. So by the time this show airs, my kids are already back in school. We've had a wonderful summer, but I would love to hear from y'all how summer's going. Laura, like I said, you're out at the lake house. How's summer been out there? I am at the lake where we come every year for about two months, between six and eight weeks a summer. We come and spend a chunk of our life here It's a huge contrast to the rest of our year in Los Angeles. It's really become sort of a sacred time for our family. And my husband usually goes in and out for work, obviously. And his work is, you know, he doesn't have a nine to five type of job. So every year his schedule is different. This year his schedule has allowed him to be here almost all of the time. So we've just had these wonderful, lazy days on the water. We go out on the boat. We eat lunch at the gas station. (laughs) Like we've just had a really, really great time. And so we are in the middle of it still. Our kids get out of school late June. We spend the whole month of July here and we'll go back to California in mid-August. So I am having a wonderful, beautiful time with my family here. Love it. That's a great report. Rebecca, what about y'all? How's the Hoffer family these days? Well, this was our first time having like a true summer break since Grace had just entered kindergarten this past fall. That's right. And I am loving it. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I think it might be the P part in my ESFP personality Uh where I don't really love the structure of the school year, especially half day kindergarten. I mean, come on. And I am just so excited to be able to do whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it, and it doesn't matter that I don't need to run this way or that way. It's been heavenly. Every year I make a summer fun list, and this year we are rocking it. I have 55 items on the list, and we have 42 of them checked off. You're a rock star. (laughs) You are amazing. Don't let my kids hear that. They'll be so (laughs) jealous of your kids. (laughs) Well, now some of them are super simple, like bubbles, play doh, mm-hmm. playing in the sandbox. Mm-hmm. You know, I try to really celebrate even the really small, simple sure. things that just make summer fantastic, as well as the big things like going to visit grandpa and grandma or going on a beach vacation, things like that. But, you know, like s'mores is on the list and a bunch of different ice cream shops and visit- visiting like four or five different parks. It's just been wonderful. I love it. I am dreading the end of summer so much. I just, oh my goodness, I just love it so much. (laughs) Good. I can tell by the look on your face that you are having a great time. So that's so great. Kelly, what about you? I know you and I, we have a a herd of children underfoot to both entertain and direct and all of those things. So how is summer going up in Minnesota for you guys? It's going great. I feel like this is must be the theme. It really has been so far. We still have about a month to go by the time this show airs because we still go back after Labor Day. So we're just barely halfway through. But it has already been such a good summer. I, I do think that there is a transition period for everybody right at the beginning yeah. where I have to adjust 
and of course, this was my first year having everybody in school. So adjust to having everybody home and everybody else has to adjust to having siblings around and how is this going to work? But once we got there, it has just been a great lazy summer, but yet still fun. So kind of a combination of Laura talking about just very, you know, lazy, being able to just go do these things. And Rebecca, like all the fun things that we've been doing, it's been a really good combination. And I will report back because I had discussed back at the beginning, just one of our last shows, we had talked about what we might do for the summer that I had said I was going to try to do no screens in the mornings. Yes, that's right. For my kids and, and see how that went. Yes. And I have to give y'all a report back. It's going really well. Oh, good. Like, I think I might actually be rocking this one. <laughs> you know, that's instead of so midsummer, good. you're like, what was my goal? Oh, that's <laughs> right. That reading thing. Yeah. It's, it's not that. Like, yeah. I really, the kids have gotten used to it. Um, it helps the older ones maybe to sleep a little longer, which they need to do because they go to bed so late. Um, just because I think before, especially my 12 year old, he would get up because he was like, Ooh, screens, I should, I should wake up. So they're sleeping, they're a little more rested. And especially for the younger ones, not to have that, you know, Netflix right away in their face. They're just more creative and willing to play. And honestly, past that first week, no one really even asked me for screen time in the morning because they know it's coming. Right. And so it's just been so nice to be able to get up and have breakfast and be able to interact and talk and they play together. So yesterday, my eight-year-old was in her bedroom. She had her groovy girls out like her dolls and she's singing to herself and she's playing and then I hear like Legos being dumped and I was so happy because I was like so often, you know how it is, right? We make these plans and these ideas and they don't execute. Right. But this year it's executing. I mean, I'm always loving summer, but this year I'm really loving summer. Yes. Yeah. It sounds like you've really taken the guilt factor out of it just with that one like sort of boundary marker, no screens till after noon. And and now you're you're getting to enjoy the fruits of that. So right. Exactly. So fun. So fun. Okay. Well, thank you for checking in. Like I said, we've had a great summer. Ours is eight weeks exactly. And it has flown by. It does every year. This is the beginning of our fifth year in Oklahoma City Schools where we have these sort of shorter summers, but longer breaks in the middle of the school year. And we have become so acclimated to that, that I don't know. It's just a, it's just normal for us. So anyway, we've been enjoying summer down here too. One of the things that I love most about summer is listening to music, whether we are on a road trip or playing outside or whatever. Of course, music is a big part of my life all year round. So I wanted to hear from you all, you ladies, about music in your life. So I would love to hear from you. Scale of one to 10. How important is music in your just regular day-to-day life with one being like, I just really never listen to music and 10 being it is in my ears all the time. Rebecca, how about you? Well, I am a little embarrassed, but it might be like a two or a three. (laughs) Okay, okay. Um, Unless I'm having a really bad day, because I find that turning on music can transform a day. Right. And that when my kids are grumpy and chaotic, Turning on music can really transform that. So unless we're having a bad day, I I feel like most of my listening time is taken up with Voxer or podcasts. I rarely ever, ever, ever walk around the house with music playing in my earbuds. That just doesn't really happen. Instead, you know, we listen to music in the car. My husband likes to turn on the radio in our kitchen every night cleaning up after supper. If I'm working in a coffee shop, I'll put music on in my earbuds to block out the other noise. Um, Of course, 
with my faith on Sunday mornings, music is really a big part of my church experience. But on the regular day to day, I kind of sometimes feel like, you know, I should be exposing my, my children to more than what I am. <laughs> Okay, that makes sense. And I'm, I totally get what you're saying, too, with podcasts and Voxer, which I rely on heavily during my day, too, that sometimes music can get kind of crowded out. So I totally get that. Mm -hmm. Kelly, what about you? Scale of one to 10? How much are you listening to music during your daily life? Probably an eight. Oh, wow. Which makes me sound, yeah, like I'm really into music. And I am on one hand, I would say that I'm not very adventurous. Okay. And music. I love to listen to music. In fact, my husband has been known to say to me, of course, he's an INTJ. He's like, does silence offend you? <laughs> you know, like, do you yes. have to have something always on in the background? And yes. yeah, yes, totally. yeah, I kind of <laughs> do. I really think music is like the soundtrack of my life. Mm -hmm. And a little bit like what Rebecca just said, as far as if you're having a bad day, can make it better. I feel like that happens always. Right. And so I turn music on for my mood. So I'm, I'm, you know, in the morning, I'm like, I want a little cafe shop or I want um, kid music because I'm cooking, you know, breakfast for my kids or whatever. So I'm always letting it set the mood for me. So it's not necessarily that I'm having a bad day and I'm trying to make it better, but I'm saying I need music to accessorize what's happening here before me. So I would say I almost exclusively these days listen to Spotify and Pandora. Mm -hmm probably more Spotify lately. I have a little speaker and a phone dock right next to my sink in my kitchen. So my phone plugs right into there every time I come home and it is my music. Um, so it's always streaming some playlist or more often than not even a radio station. Because like I said, I'm not adventurous. I want someone else to have to pick the music for me. I don't want to have to think about that. It's too many choices, too many options. So I just want to be able to say, I want this type of music, like a genre, or... I want this mood, you know, which Spotify does great, you know, if you want happy, sad, peaceful, yes. whatever, yeah. adventurous, uh, energetic. So then I can just let it play and skip a song if it's too much or whatever. But I, I don't have to think about it that way. And yet it's always on. In fact, I take it outside. If we're going to the pool in our backyard, I will take my little speakers outside. Like my music travels with me or I just play it really loud. So it's always often there. Yeah. In fact, my kids now have learned all the songs on a few of my Spotify playlists. Oh, like really? they know them. Oh yes, my kids can sing them. That's so And great. even a lot I listen to a lot of jazz, like like um, instrumental jazz. And so they they know all the songs. They're like like they they know and I'm like this is almost embarrassing, but it will be a soundtrack of their lives as well. That's right. That's how I do it. it totally will. It totally will. I love that. Laura, how about you? I'm going with a solid 2. So we're definitely I, on different ends of the spectrum. <laughs> I just don't care about music. Right. And that is not something you're supposed to say because music is supposed to be, you know, life-changing amazingness. And I just, I don't care that much about music. It's funny, I used to. When I was younger, I had all the feelings wrapped up in all the music. And then in my 20s, I started listening to talk radio a lot and got really into that and never, never made the transition back to music. I mean, I still have really specific songs and albums that have crept into my life or meant something to me because I purposely made them a soundtrack to a moment or an event. Right. But like on a, on a day to day, I don't 
I don't ever listen to music. Now, there is music playing in my life and in my house all the time because my husband is music obsessed. He cares so much about music. How I am about books is how he is about music. Really? He's really involved in like all the music choices in his film and TV, the music choices in our car ride, the music choices (laughs) that our kids hear. Like he is super, super, super into music. So there is music playing in my life quite a bit. But if it were just me and I was home by myself, I would, it would be silence or some kind of talking like a podcast. (laughs) Gotcha. That is so fascinating. It's so funny because I'm going to say I'm like between an eight and a nine on the scale of one to 10. So I find it fascinating that we're so evenly split. Mine is like, I do go through phases where I only want to listen to podcasts. Either I'm really far behind on my subscriptions or I'm just in the mood just to just to listen to that. Those are just kind of like little phases that I go in and out of. But I would say predominantly most of the time that number is closer to a nine because I am like, Kelly, I have to have something happening in the background. In fact, if I don't have music to listen to, then it's extraordinarily hard for me to get anything done around the house, whether it's doing dishes or picking up or folding laundry. Now, podcasts definitely have kind of taken that uh, place a little bit, but I love to have music going. So I have Spotify. That's my definitely my music um, platform platform of choice, both their playlists that they've created, the ones that I have put together. Um, I will tell you guys that having tween age girls has helped me to get reintroduced to the pop music scene. So we listen to a pop music like top 40 station here in Oklahoma City whenever we're in the car. So we hear a lot of (laughs) Justin Bieber and Fifth Harmony and Mm -hmm. Jonas Brothers. And like, I know all of the words to all those songs now, (laughs) even though I'm almost 40. In fact, I have to tell a funny story. We listened to that so much that um, a couple of months ago, we were taking a short car ride as a family together out of town just a little bit. And um, Justin Bieber's uh, Love Yourself came on, and I totally caught Kyle, my husband, singing along (laughs) to Love Yourself. I was like, this is the best day. (laughs) (laughs) Loved it. Loved it. So, all right, let's start talking about some of our favorites. As you think back to your childhood and to your teenage years, what are some of the either songs, singers, albums, whatever that stand out to you? Kelly, how about you? Well, here's where I'm going to show my age, y'all, because I grew up in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. I graduated from high school in 1990. So I have to say, I also grew up in a pretty conservative, you know, Christian family. Mm-hmm. So when I was a kid, it's even hard to remember music because it was like the Bill Gaither trio. Yes. And <laughs> Salty, the singing songbook. Uh-huh. I know that there's like people who come from my subculture who are out there going, oh, my word. Yes. The big blue book. Yes, I know those songs. So bullfrogs and butterflies, things like that. That was the kid music that I listened to. And I'll be honest, just that style of music, it didn't pull me in. Like, you know, I listened to it, but it wasn't, it didn't really get to me. It wasn't until I was a teenager in the 80s and all my friends listened to, you know, the pop stations in town and I was not allowed to. Like that was verboten. So I am now going to confess this to our closest friends. No one tell my parents. 
But I used to like keep a Christian tape on pause in my tape. Um, it wasn't even CDs. It was before CDs, people. Like my kids are like, did you have cars? <laughs> when I told them that we didn't even have cell phones, they're right. like, I don't, I don't know what you mean. How old are you? So it was a tape player and a radio combo. So I would keep a Christian tape on pause so that I could listen to the rock and roll stations in town. And that way, if somebody came and knocked on my door, I could like unpause, you know, Amy Grant or something like that. And they wouldn't know that I was actually listening to, you know, Whitney Houston. Oh, I so know. Scandalous. It was, it was that 80s pop and a little bit of rock and roll, you know, that, that really drew me in and became the first defining music of my life. So like Paula Abdul is forever my girl. Like mm -hmm. truly, truly like that whole entire album. I know to this day by heart, it horrifies my children. Like if I play it and I'm like, I can do this whole rap and they're like, please don't <laughs> like, but it was that music, all of that kind of late eighties music, um, even white snake. Oh I'm just talking gosh. to my people out there who are going, oh, yes, I remember this music. <laughs> that was the music that I listened to when I was a teenager. And that still makes me really happy. I am a complete sucker for an 80s, you know, top 80s summer hits. I've been listening to that a lot while I'm in the pool, that sort of thing, like just a complete sucker for that era of music because it just makes me happy. I think that was one thing with a lot of 80s music. It was so bubblegum pop, no meaning and just crazy that it's just, it's happy music for me. So it makes me happy. That's the music that I listened to when I was so a teacher. Yes, so great. I love it. Okay, Rebecca, let's hear from you. Any childhood or teenage favorites? Well, I was similar to Kelly, and I growing up listening to a lot of just what my parents listened to. I have a sister who is 12 years older than I am. Um, some favorites there were Tiffany. Uh -huh. Does anybody remember yes. Tiffany? Yes. <laughs> and also, she had the soundtrack to Dirty Dancing, which was just oh my gosh. phenomenal. And which I, is like one of the best soundtracks ever of any movie. Yes. yes. Hands down. It yes. was amazing. So that was kind of my introduction to music. But then when I was in fifth grade, so I was like, like 11 years old, I started to realize that I really never listened to the radio and I was feeling kind of a little bit like a loser. Like I didn't know any of these songs that were playing on the bus. And I just, I made it my goal to start actually listening to the radio because at first it was so boring because I didn't know any of the songs. I didn't recognize any of them, but you know how they start being repetitive over time. So the very first song that I started to recognize on the radio on the top 40 station was I'm going to be by the Proclaimers that 500 oh, miles yes. song. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that was the first song that I was like, Hey, I'm listening to the radio. And <laughs> I know this music. <laughs> so cool. I wish you all could see that Rebecca was doing a little dance. <laughs> she explained. You Yes, as she explained her affection for I'm going to be. That's so great. <laughs> hey, it was perfect timing, though, because I'm glad that I started in fifth grade so that when sixth grade rolled around and I swear by all for one was like <laughs> the number one hit, I knew what was up. And let me tell you, that was the theme, the song, like everybody in sixth grade knew every single word and it would come on the radio and the entire class would erupt in singing. And I told you guys, <laughs> I just caught myself. I almost burst into song to demonstrate. And I told you that I am not singing on this episode, that you have to yell at me if I do. So I will refrain. 
but that really did develop my love for pop music and you know the top 40 station in town Britney Spears was huge. Oh my goodness. Hit Me Baby One More Time came out when I was a junior in high school. In Sync was huge. I mean, that's just what I fell in love with. And I may or may not occasionally put in Britney Spears' greatest hits while I'm cleaning my house. That's It's still, still good. It, it holds up. <laughs> Britney Spears' earlier work totally holds up. So yes, I get it so much. <laughs> Laura, how about you? Well, growing up, my parents were not huge music lovers either, which is maybe why, I don't know, as an adult, I'm not. But on road trips and things, because we did all of our, our family vacations in the car, there was a lot of John Denver and there was a lot of, you know, musicals, soundtrack to musicals. So I know a lot of that stuff from when I was a kid And then as I got a little bit older, you know, like community wise in a small town, it was pretty much all country all the time. So there's like a lot of Reba McIntyre, Garth Mm -hmm. Brooks, uh, Clint Black, George Strait, like all of that. So a lot of nostalgia for older country singers. And then when I was, I guess this was about middle school or something, my little town was able to pick up the radio waves from an alternative station in Dallas. Oh, you're stealing my thunder. <laughs> I was totally oh, shoot, say are you? It's fine. It's fine. Go ahead. Yes. The Edge formatively shaped our lives. <laughs> it really it changed the music scene, right? Because yes. we went from complete, mostly contemporary country to, wow, there's like really a lot cooler music out there. <laughs> At the time, The Edge was sort of just like, what was exploding as alternative. So yes. Nirvana, Pearl Jam, uh-huh. et cetera. Yeah. While I understood that was cool, I was not as super drawn to that as some of my peers were. And I had a couple of older guys, like older brothers of friends who were really into music or whatever. And one in particular kind of set out to educate <laughs> us on good music. So he would make us these mixtapes, you know, a bunch of my friends, and we would pass around these mixtapes. And that's how I sort of got into some better music and some music that I did really like. So my teenage years were pretty much Aerosmith. I was super into Aerosmith. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And The Cure, mm-hmm, yep. eventually Counting Crows, eventually Everclear. I really latched on to Everclear. So... That sort of like, I don't know, some of that's rock, some of that's alternative type of thing. So my tastes changed a lot, I would say, as I got older. Like, But I kept always, I was really influenced by not like what was popular, not necessarily pop music, but I ended up being really influenced by this series of older people, older siblings, or, you know, once I got into college, like older people in college or whatever, that kind of made it a mission to educate on what music was cool. I was really influenced by that. You know, did you ever go through that phase where like, it was really cool to know the music that nobody else knew? Yes, totally. Mm-hmm. That was like the thing. Mm-hmm. If you had if you discovered this really cool band that wasn't on the radio, like not a radio band. So I was like, you know, into that world for a little bit. Okay, well, I have to give a hard, hard ditto on everything that Laura just said. If you're a new listener, you may not know Laura and I are from the same hometown. So we have a lot of the same music in common here as we're talking about it. I have in my notes that I also was going to talk about The Edge because Laura's right. Like, 
prior to that radio station, which, by the way, was out of Dallas. So here we were in small town Oklahoma, but we were getting this big city Dallas station with alternative rock. Prior to that, you really could listen to either country or country. That was pretty much it. Or maybe some oldies, if you could get the oldies station to come in from Oklahoma City. And that was those were your choices. So... The Edge was revolutionary to us because here we thought, yeah, we're, we're listening to like really big city, like avant-garde, cutting-edge music. And then, and, it, and Laura's right, it was like Pearl Jam and Weezer. So <laughs> then, you know, as we grow up and our musical tastes expand, we realize like maybe we weren't quite as cutting-edge as we thought, but it was great at the time. And, and I also was going to note that there was definitely a crew in our hometown that actually did... They were, I mean, they were like the precursors to, to hipsters who were very much like, oh, that is not true alternative rock. I've been listening to this band for years and it's way better. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of my childhood and teenage memories are similar to Lara in that, um, especially teenage years. But also um, childhood was heavily influenced by Christian music. My parents definitely always had some kind of Christian contemporary music going on in the background. I also loved musical soundtracks, which I talked about a little bit on our Extra Awesome with Tish when we were talking about the Hamilton musical. You know, Phantom of the Opera was a huge one. Les Mis, I had all of those memorized, but not only traditional Broadway show tunes, but also, you guys, I really super loved the Disney animated uh, film soundtracks like Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, The Little Mermaid. To this day, I know every... Mm -hmm word, mm -hmm. note, lyric to all of those songs. I had, I can remember, <laughs> you know, my first car, I, um, I had this beautiful electric blue Camaro. And of course, it only had a tape deck in it. We, I mean, CDs were just on the edge of coming out. And so I can remember that I had the Beauty and the Beast animated film soundtrack in my Camaro. <laughs> we would listen to it driving around town all the time. Sort yep. of a little bit of dissonance there between a Camaro and... <laughs> Don't let anybody time. ever say you weren't super cool. <laughs> but so those were some of my musical influences as a kid going into teenage years. I have clearly not lost my affection for any kind of show tune thing going on. So, okay, well, music is so, so, so big in everyday life for some of us, maybe not so much for others, but almost all of us have some kind of a big milestone in life where music has played a pretty big role in terms of how you remember it, or maybe it was playing at the time, whether it was maybe a, uh, a really bad breakup or something happy like graduation, uh, first scenes at your wedding, those types of things. So I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about some of the milestone music that we all have had in our lives. I'll share mine really quickly. Kyle and I um, got married in a small little Baptist church in our hometown, and we did not have a dance and dinner reception. It was a very simple little ceremony with a, it was a two o'clock ceremony with just a cake and punch reception. So we did not have a first dance song, but we thought for a long time about what kind of song we wanted to walk out to after our wedding ceremony was over. So we spent a lot of time thinking about it, tossing ideas back and forth. 
and we ultimately settled on the song I Can't Take My Eyes Off of You by Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. Mm-hmm. That's sweet. So yeah, and to this day, of course, that song is so important to me. I just hear just those opening horns that are playing at the beginning, and it's just, it's such a timeless song. So anyway, still have lots of fun feelings for that song. And then another song that just as I was thinking about, like, what are some of those moments from life that were really marked by music? There is a song by Jimmy Buffett called Little Miss Magic. And I discovered it when my oldest daughter, who is now 11, and headed to sixth grade, um, she was a baby baby. And I don't even know how or why I stumbled across this song, but I just latched onto it and just played it over and over. It talks about, in one of the verses, it talks about, he's talking about his little girl, Jimmy Buffett's talking about his little girl, and how she's constantly amazed by the blades of the fan on the ceiling, which I don't know about you guys, but every single one of my children have been completely obsessed with ceiling Mm -hmm. fans. (laughs) They're so mesmerizing. (laughs) They're so great. Um, So... But the chorus says, Little Miss Magic, what you gonna be? I see a little more of me every day. I catch a little more mustache turning gray. Your mother is the only other woman for me. Little Miss Magic, what you gonna be? And to this day, again, when I hear that song, I get tears in the eyes. I just think about my little first baby and how motherhood changed me so radically. And I love it. So those are some of my standout songs. Uh, Laura, do you have any like that? Any milestone music selections from life? I have kind of only milestone music, (laughs) honestly. (laughs) Because I don't listen to it daily and regularly, that if I have a song that means something to me, it's usually heavily attached to a memory right. or um, something big. And so I just have, I could list dozens and dozens of songs and albums because if, if I know that song, it probably has a meaning to me. The one that I want to share, <laughs> just because I think it's funny, is my husband and I, one of our songs is um, David Allen Coe's You Never Even Call Me By My Name. Oh, I love that song. It's so great. But you don't have to call me darling Darling You never even call me by my name It's kind of a funny like bar song, but that was because we um, we met on working on a movie together, and that crew at the end of a long work day, we always would go to this specific bar that played a lot of punk rock, a lot of you know, it was like a dirty dive bar that we all loved. The DJ was our friend; he would play a ton of crazy music. But when he played David Allen Coe, the whole bar—I mean, it was just like scene out of a movie—and this happened like multiple times a week. Like everyone's drinks sloshing in the air, singing yes. and swaying, and it was like right. a big. You know, it's that type of song. Perfect song and, for that, yes. Yes. And then, so I, you know, that sort of season of life was really defined by that kind of bar memory. And then when Jeff and I first declared our affection for one another, we were at that bar. And so on our wedding programs, which were like these beautiful sort of calligraphy letterpress wedding programs, we had sort of engraved on them, I'll hang around as long as you'll let me. Oh my which goodness. Which is 
the chorus of that song. That's so right. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's so great. So great. Okay, let's see. Kelly, do you have some milestone music to share? I do. I'm probably gonna have to like tell a really embarrassing story here, but I have to go back because I was talking to Corey and, you know, preparing for the show. And I said, you know, kind of like you, Megan, we had a, it was not a small wedding, it was a big wedding because my dad was a pastor. So we had to invite the entire church as well as, you know, other people. But um, we didn't have a dance that was like, no, that was not going to be okay. So I said, do we, do we have a song? And he's like, no, we don't really. He said, do you remember that we had said that we were going to try to walk out of the church to Tone Loke's Wild Thing? <laughs> and I was like, I, I do vaguely remember that now. But I think we chose the more um, subdued, the way you look tonight. And he's yes. like, yeah, yeah, we went with the wiser choice. Yes. And I was like, yes, yeah. yes, we did. So, but like, that's as close as we get, you know, in our marriage, we haven't had like that one song sort of a thing. But I do think, much like Laura, that, those songs that embed themselves in your memory for whatever reason, for an experience. I remember being probably about the age my daughter is now, like 15 or 16, and there was an exchange student (laughs) in our youth group. He had come from Germany. His name was Jan. And um, I fell in love with him because we talked for one evening. Uh You know how it is when you're that age. We are soulmates. (laughs) He talks. He has an accent. I love him. I must always be with him. And so the very next day, we were supposed to leave that week on vacation. And by the time I was going to get back from vacation, from visiting the grandparents, he was going to be gone back to Germany. Our love was going to be destroyed by my grandparents. And so I, in a haze of desperation, thought, I'm going to go ride my bike because it is miserable to be at home and so tortured by my love. (laughs) And so I drove my bike out and ended up by the Y and... Jan and a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, drove in. And I was like, fate. It's fate. Here we are. <laughs> and so they said, do you want to come in and play racquetball? Do you want to come in and play racquetball? Which also tells you what air it is, right? <laughs> I'm a horrible athlete. But of course, I said yes. Of course. So I went in and got beat up by the racquetball. And then as I was leaving, he totally made out with me in the lobby of, <laughs> of the, the Y. Why it's so romantic. Of the Y. <laughs> And so, <laughs> wait, is home, this story like, about Jan going to involve music or? Yes. So here's what happened. I, I go home and I'm flying high, right? But I get home and I realize we will never see each other again. And so the entire night, I'm not kidding you, for hours on end, I listen to, I raise my hands to heaven and pray that we'll be back together someday. <laughs> raise my hands to heaven is the name of the song by Breathe on repeat. Raise your hands to heaven and pray, I pray that we'll be back together someday. I taped it off the radio. I listened to it for probably six hours straight. <laughs> Stood in front of my window at night and ball. Oh my, my gosh. Eyes. Did you feel like you got a Christian girl pass because it says, I raise my hands to heaven to pray? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it <laughs> was so holy. But it's one of those things that like I hear that music and I start to giggle. Yeah. Because it was that defining moment of those teenage years, you know, yeah. when the love is so broken by that person that you've known for 24 hours. Yes. 
How could it go on? I think music is more real when you're a teenager. I just, I don't know. It's just like, it's so real. So yeah, I totally get it. All right, Rebecca, now that I've kind of got myself together after (laughs) Kelly's story, do you have any milestone music? Well, I do. I... I surprisingly have had a lot of reggae in my life. <laughs> what? I did not oh, see that coming. Sorry, that. Okay. Yeah, that I'm was, very that, surprised. That, yeah, I, that wasn't meant to be a punchline. I don't know why you're laughing. <laughs> so the first time that reggae really, really stood out to me, I have, I alluded to this in the very first episode of the podcast that I went on a missions trip with my parents to Honduras. That is where I had my first kiss. He did not speak English. I did not speak Spanish. <laughs> it was, you know. Tale as old as time. Yes. <laughs> a match made in heaven. <laughs> and as we were leaving, this is a little similar to Kelly's story. As we were leaving, it was our last bus ride. We're saying like goodbye. We're seeing the back of the bus together i'm crying and bob marley's um no woman no cry song comes up on the radio and he's like wiping like the guy i kiss he's like wiping the tears away from me and like say no cry or whatever and i thought oh this is perfect that's not at all what that song is about But for like years after, anytime I would hear that song, I'd be like, that's my Honduras song. (laughs) My first kiss. No woman, no crime. And then fast forward to when I like actually fall in love with my husband. Um, Before we got married, he spent a year doing missions in Jamaica. And he became very, very obsessed with reggae music while he was there. He came home and all we listened to for a solid year was reggae music. Hmm. That's a lot of reggae music. That's a lot of reggae music. <laughs> That's a lot of reggae music. So much so that the song that we left our wedding ceremony to was actually a reggae song by Jimmy Cliff called Wonderful World, Beautiful People. Okay. And Jimmy Cliff was huge in Jamaica at the same era as Bob Marley, but Bob Marley went like international and Jimmy Cliff, he had a hit song, I Can See Clearly Now, Yes. but that's really as far as it went. Mm-hmm. So there was just, there, reggae just seems to be, you know, my very first kiss to my very last kiss, oh, you know, yes. Yes. with the new person, reggae was there. I literally could not be more surprised (laughs) by this revelation. I'm so happy about all the teenage making out in this episode. I know, I know. The theme. Oh my gosh, I have loved hearing this milestone music because these are some really great things I didn't know about any of you all. So, (laughs) So great. So another question. Do any of you all have songs that you feel like as you kind of like look back over the span of your life, like this song or these songs had a really significant impact on my life. Laura, I would love to hear from you. Again, this is where I have so many, but I'm just going to say the the ones that immediately came to mind that are just like the most important in my life. The Indigo Girls, 1200 Curfews. So it's good. a double live album. It will change <sighs> your life. So <laughs> no, good. 
Yes. It, it will. If you have not heard this for some reason, it will literally change your life. It just, yeah, it was Co-sign, a pivotal totally. moment for yes. me. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, I maybe should have mentioned this before, but I have a theme song like for my life, like not a theme song, but I have like a, a song that if, if one were to pick a song that sort of, I don't know, describes their life, defines their life or whatever, it would be an Indigo girl song called Language or the Kiss, which mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. just... I just want to sit in reverence for that song for a minute. But anyway. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Then the other albums that really shaped my life, Ryan Adams' album Gold, Mm -hmm. which came out the month after I moved to Los Angeles and right after September 11th happened. And there's a lot of songs on that album that are both about New York and LA specific. And I love Ryan Adams. So that was a big one for me. Later... Um, I really love and can sing almost every word to Bright Eyes album, I'm Wide Awake, It's Morning. Yep. I love that so album. Good. So good. Yes. And then more recently, the fun album, Some Night. Yes. <laughs> means uh, means a lot to me. And I carry really specific um, life revelations in in step with that album. So those are my those are my albums that shape my life. Okay, well, I'm just going to tag along with that and say that I was going to say for this that in terms of theme song, like I actually do consider this kind of my theme song, my motivation song is from that album, that fun album, the song Carry On. I love it so much. It really started to speak to me. It came out in 2012, but after the twins were born and I had a really hard time finding my footing again, being a mom of four kids, being a mom with multiples, I had a really hard time kind of bouncing back from that. And the song Carry On, um, Let Your Past Be the Sound of Your Feet Upon the Ground. I just, I don't know. It's good stuff. So totally my theme song. So I just had to interject that really quickly. Rebecca, what about you? Do you have a song, album, something that kind of shaped your life or had a big impact on your life? The song that most recently came to mind for me is a contemporary Christian worship song called No Longer Slaves. And it's by Bethel Music. And the main line in that song that's repeated over and over again is, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. No longer a slave. And then the lyrics go on to say, You split the sea so I could walk right through it. You drowned my fears in perfect love. You rescued me and I will stand and sing, I am a child of God. And there have been some times over this past year that uncertainty and just life in general was so overwhelming for me. And this psalm became an anchor 
you know, I created a Pandora station based off of this song. And just whenever I felt that fear and anxiety and uncertainty of life starting to bring me down, I played that station. And it was filled with this psalm, obviously, and other contemporary Christian worship psalms. And it really, like I said, it just really became an anchor for me to say, I am no longer a slave to fear. I'm going to let this go. So beautiful, Rebecca. I love it. Thank you for that. Kelly, how about you? Well, mine is also kind of in that same vein. It's a little more sweet and tender than some of the things we've been talking about. I would say the album that has marked my life is, it's called Golden Slumbers, A Father's Lullaby. And it is a mixture of kind of lullaby songs done by soft jazz, smooth jazz musicians. So like Peter White, Dave Cause, Norman Brown, David Benoit. These are people that I love to listen to anyway. So they teamed up and have put together this compilation of music for, you know, Sleepy Time, some songs like Twinkle, Twinkle Little Star, but some of their own compositions as well. It is beautiful and soothing. And I found it when I was probably pregnant with Connor with my second. So I started to play it for my kids when they went to sleep when Natalie, who just turned 15, was probably a two-year-old. And we have played that CD every night since that time. So for more than a decade, we have played this music for our kids at bedtime, pretty much on repeat. Lots of them, at times, they would have, you know, if they're having dreams or whatever, we would just leave it in a CD player or now on an iPad in their room, just on repeat. Mm -hmm. So I have said this music is still, you know, you get tired of it a little bit, but it's still so evocative to me and so tender that I will be in an old folks home someday and they will play this album and I will start to bawl because I will be remembering my little babies. You know, like this is the song that I rock them to sleep with. Even today, this is the song that I sit with them in their bed when they're going to sleep and that, you know, how their breathing goes from like normal breathing to that deep breathing of sleep and then you you know that's when the happiest moments of motherhood come because you're like oh they're sleeping and I do love them and the craziness is over and so it's sweet and so that music is inextricably tied to those feelings so I still listen to it and I probably will even after they're not needing it as a lullaby anymore it's called golden slumbers so beautiful. Those are all very sweet. So we're going to go from the sweet to the silly because I wanted to ask you guys if you have any songs where you thought it was saying one thing, but then as it turns out, it's saying something totally different, <laughs> totally not what you thought. Any misheard lyrics? We've had a couple of threads about misheard lyrics in mm-hmm. the Sort of Awesome Hangout group on Facebook. You guys, I get so tickled reading those. <laughs> they are so funny. So, Rebecca, misheard lyrics. Do you have any that come to mind? Well, the first one that I want to share is actually one from my daughter, Grace, from when she was around five. In the back of the van, to Taylor Swift's blank space, you know, the line is, boys only want love if it's torture. Uh Don't say I didn't, say I didn't warn you. And I hear my daughter saying again and again, every time the song comes on, boys only want love if it's Georgia. (laughs) (laughs) That Georgia, she gets them all. (laughs) But the one that came to mind for me, that's actually really embarrassing because I held on to this belief for so long, like, I don't know, over a decade or more. The song Tainted Love by Soft Cell. Mm -hmm. Uh The line later on in the song says, don't touch me, please. I I cannot stand the way you tease. Okay, right. And I, no joke, 
for years and years thought it was, I cannot stand the way you sneeze. (laughs) (laughs) So offensive. (laughs) And I was so convicted that this is what it said, so convinced that I would actually, when I would hear the song, I would like, after that line, I would do like a fake sneeze. Achoo! (laughs) Why did nobody say, why are you doing that? Like, what's wrong wrong with you? That is amazing. What a very, very specific thing to be annoyed by. It just made sense to me. Yeah. Sneezing can be obnoxious. Oh, my word. (laughs) Well, you know, it's so funny because kids today, I mean, you can look up any lyric from any song and you can have it totally clarified and it will settle all the arguments. But do you guys remember before the Internet, we just had to figure it out on our own. So, so funny. Laura, do you have any misheard lyrics? (laughs) I do. In fact, I only recently realized I had this lyric really wrong. Okay. It's too... um, it's to the popular Beyonce song, Single Ladies. Mm-hmm. I'm familiar. Which I sing a lot. I love that song. My daughter sings it. We really get into that. That's one of our family dance party songs. I have for years, well, the the opening line is, up in the club, we just broke up. I have for years, we're talking up until months ago, <laughs> thought that that lyric was... <laughs> Up in the club, just woke up. <laughs> I thought she was just sleeping so late. <laughs> I thought, you do you, girl. You just sleep and sleep and sleep. <laughs> you sleep until you wake up in the club and it's time to party. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. I could actually hear that. I really can. That's That's hilarious. Okay, Kelly, do you have any like that? I do. I have one that same thing. What you said is so true, Megan. We didn't have a spot to go find lyrics unless you had the little thing that went into your cassette tape that listed them. You had to just guess. Yes. So, you know, I remember pressing my little ear up to the speaker of my little boombox and trying to figure out what are they saying. So there was a song by Tilt Tuesday that's called Voices Carry. Uh-huh. Yes. And of the actual line is keep it down now, voices carry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I swear that I heard them say, Going downtown, this is scary. <laughs> Which makes a lot more sense actually. It is scary downtown. (laughs) Why do you want to keep your voices down? That doesn't make any sense. But going downtown, this is scary. Mm. Like I was an adult when somebody's like, you know, that's not what they're saying. And I was like, pretty sure that's what they're saying. Like that makes sense. Right, right, right. So same sort of thing. This is an older song. And I totally forgot to mention that when I was a teenager, I listened before I started to break the rules and listen to, you know, bad rock and roll. I listened to oldies music, like 50s and 60s music. So I I know all of that Uh genre of music very well. And there was a song that Johnny Rivers did that was called Secret Agent Man. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I thought he was saying Secret Asian Man. (laughs) Like, I don't know why everybody doesn't know the Asian dude doesn't have a number and a name, but... (laughs) That's what he's saying, right? And so my husband, I think, who is Asian, Asian. and is a little secretive, is the one who told me. He's like, oh, it's secret agent man. And I'm like, oh, oh. Like the song makes so much more sense now. Right. Not secret Asian man. So, yeah. Sorry, Rebecca, I broke your rule, I sang. (laughs) But those are my two, like, most kind of funny and embarrassing misheard lyrics. Those you, Megan, awesome. go. I do. I do have one. 
Mine is from a 2002 Dixie Chicks song. I love the Dixie Chicks, you guys. I know all of their songs. So in 2002, they released a song called Long Time Gone. So Natalie Maine sings, I said a long time gone. No, I ain't honked a horn since I don't know when. So for a very long time, I was convinced that she said, and I'm going to have you guys listen to it because I think this is, this is real. Like, listen to it with these words in mind. I thought she was saying, no, I ain't looked at porn since I don't know when. Oh my God. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Guys, this was in 2002 when the Dixie Chicks were kind of at the height of their controversy. And I was like, wow, they're really pushing it with this line about porn. And then no one else was like as scandalized as I was about it. No one was talking about it. And, but I would listen to it over and over. What are they saying? No, it's not that scandalous. It's just I honked a horn since I don't know when. <laughs> I mean, it could have a double meaning. Right. So it might have been semi-scandalous. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you guys, this was a lot of talk about music. Thank you so much for humoring me for an hour of talking about one of my very favorite things, all this music stuff. I know that you guys who are listening surely have some things to add to our conversation, whether it is milestone music, songs that shaped your life, or maybe some of your own misheard lyrics. We would love to find you on social media to continue the conversation. Now, Laura, you have changed a few things about where we can find you on social media. So tell us where you are now all around the web. Yes, I have changed a few of my social media handles. You can now find me on Twitter at Laura Tremaine and on Instagram as Laura.Tremaine. And I'm still the Hollywood Housewife on Facebook. Okay, excellent. Kelly, where can we find you? I am at Kelly at Lovewell on Instagram and Twitter. And on Facebook, it's Facebook.com Lovewell blog. Okay, and Rebecca. You can find me at simplyrebecca.com, and then I'm also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at simplyrebecca. Okay, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sorta Awesome Meg. Don't forget you can find and follow the show on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show, and we're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome. Thanks so much for listening, you guys, and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created by me, Megan Teets, and is produced each week in collaboration with Kelly Gordon, Rebecca Hoffert, and Laura Tremaine. Visit us on the web at SortaAwesomeShow.com, where you can sign up for the show's newsletter, connect with the Sorta Awesome community, and find show notes for each episode of Sorta Awesome. Music is provided by the band Prager. Find out more at PragerMusic.com. We'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life sorta amazingly awesome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.